Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare and Marketing Bastards Podcast number 170 for the week of November 12th. As you can hear, we are in a live setting today. We, where the heck are we again? The Van Dusen Mansion for the Mission Conference, which is... I can't remember the, for the life of me the name of it. What is, I got it. All right. The Minnesota Health Strategy and Communications Network. Nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> mission. Mission. We're on a mission. <laughs> well, we're sitting, we're currently sitting in the cigar room. Is that correct? Is that what he said this was? No. No? We did chose a different room? Is <laughs> that, that was the cigar bourbon room? and cigar room. Oh, oh. So we can see the bourbon and cigar room to our, my right. It looks... I think this is the fireside chat room. That's oh, perfect! That's what I'm saying. So I, I think we've got a show title yeah. without the fire. <laughs> Sam's fire. Chat. And bourbon, but I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> and cigars. Yeah. So, um, who do we have? Who do we have here today? Well, me, Adam, Meyer. I've got terrible colds. So I'm going to try not to talk a whole lot. So we just, let's go around the horn. Robert Brevo. And you're not Chrysalis today, Chris Boyer from Manova. Yes, not the Chrysalis. other one. The other Chris, B. <laughs> and Katie Streeter, intern. And Jackie Ritako. Oh, yeah. With Interval. <laughs> yeah, so Chris was a speaker today. You were the you officially titled the keynote speaker yeah, as the first speaker. Me, they called me the keynote speaker. Nice. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Yeah, that means I get to go first. <laughs> and I set the bar really high with my ukulele playing. That was nice. You guys got to see it. This. What'd you think? Huh? It was, it was nice. Uh, that comes a lot from you, Adam. It <laughs> <laughs> <That> means a lot. <laughs> you shredded that ukulele. <laughs> that was actually cool. That was impressive. It was good. Yeah. yeah. How many times have you done that song now, would you say? That's a second version. Not um, counting like in your bedroom by yourself. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't talk about what I do by myself. Um, no, I, that's actually a second version of the song. Um, I started off with a different version uh, last year. So this particular version... Um, I've done maybe five or six times. Okay. So. And when will your album be out? Are these, are these on yeah. iTunes? Can we purchase these on iTunes? No, they're not on iTunes yet, but um, they're on Spotify. No, <laughs> they're uh, they're actually no, there, but there are a lot of videos on YouTube. Yes, I've, that's where I've first so, experienced uh, the magic of. And I'm sure there will be more today. Your ukulele fingers. My uke, my uke fingers. <laughs> are you gonna play at the happy hour? Um, I think if I have enough drinks, I'll play at the happy <laughs> yeah. hour for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, why don't, um, maybe you want, do yeah. you want to talk a little bit about what sure. you talked about? Yeah, I talked about um, social media ROI, which is a topic that a lot of people are interested in. Um, you know, and when I say ROI, I, I stress the point. I'm talking about financial ROI. Of how do healthcare organizations use social media in a way to um, to really impact their bottom line? And I outlined three different methods or, or frameworks that you could start measuring uh, uh, your return on investment um, of your of your social media efforts. Uh, it's, it's really funny when I present it at healthcare marketers and communications uh, conferences because about halfway through my presentation, when I start getting into the numbers, the eyes start glazing <laughs> over. My <laughs> uh, You know, but I think it's really important that um, that we we all need to understand how we use these tools and how they actually are impacting the bottom line. Um, and so that's what I kind of stress. So I talked about um, the first way is you know, using social media as a way to grow your business. And this is really still under that old fee for structure kind of uh, profitable service lines where where hospitals are still, you know, driving people to some of those key patient choice services, weight loss surgery and cardiovascular and, and joints and stuff like that. Um, the other, the second way was around uh, 
how uh, you could use social media to save money, which is, a, is like sort of the a reverse a reverse effect. Mm-hmm. The more money you save, the actually you're, you're being better and being more fiscally responsible. And the third, and probably the hardest one, was um, when I talked about using social media as a way to build lifetime value of your patient, build engagement with your patient, and keep them continuing to your services. And that's where I highlighted our Fit for 50 program, which the interval people know a lot, so because you guys helped out with us on that one, so... Yeah, it was. It was a. I thought it was pretty well received <coughs> this morning. What do you guys think about it? I thought it was good. I thought one of the points that resonated with people is that, you know, as you shift away from traditional to social media, mm-hmm. um, it's a really affordable way to test things out. So you can test, and you might fail, but the investment in trying something new, whether it's Facebook ads or you name it, um, it's not a major investment. Mm-hmm. I think you had a nice comparison to. You know, a full-page print ad that could cost you over a hundred grand, mm-hmm. um, compared to a couple hundred bucks to do a pilot with some uh, online ads. So. Yeah. That was the Washington Post. That was the hundred grand. It was yeah, it was like that. That's at the time. Nuts. That is nuts, isn't it? A full-page ad in New York Times or Washington Post or any of the print big print publications is mm-hmm. very very expensive. Yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, that's. I mean, you talk a lot with digital, any kind of digital, right? I don't know, you can do A-B testing where you can try different things out, um, where you do multiple testings. I think with social media, you have the ability to try multiple different things, too. I, I didn't highlight some of the, the ways that we did things that didn't work. Um, you know, we've done we've done promotions through Foursquare to drive mm-hmm. flu clinic behavior, um, and that didn't work so well. We've done Groupon ads that actually didn't yield the results that we wanted. But I think that you want to be able to... To understand that as well, and the investment—that's a low threshold, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you used a lot of good examples. People like to see examples; it helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there are a lot of good questions at the end too. People seem very engaged. <clears throat> yeah, they really, they really. I think, I think a lot of people are questioning how they can do it, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and I have that old saying that says, "You got to learn how to do this, or your successor will." You know, and <laughs> yeah. I think that you know, I think the day and age of of Doing healthcare marketing and, and not not measuring your results mm-hmm. is something that we're going to definitely move past. We we can't afford to not measure what we're doing anymore. So yeah, so I was I was commenting to Adam. It's always maybe more especially at these type of conferences, but the amount of people who don't have CRM, mm-hmm. and I think everyone's familiar enough with it. But you know, it's always just so shocking to not shocking because we understand why because it's expensive, but it's just painful. I think that's the word. Well, I think I think for a number of organizations, especially small ones, mm-hmm. um, healthcare organizations, CRM is probably just as much a mystery as social media. All the things they know they should be doing, the yeah. resources they'd like to have at their disposal. That's all of it's like I don't even know where to begin, mm-hmm. let alone you know mm-hmm. have the financial resources to get into it, especially when it comes to CRM obviously financially it's more it's more man it's more an investment of your man of manpower or yeah. woman power uh, to to get into <laughs> social media obviously aside from unless you're going to get into the advertising side of it you know I like the way that you structured your presentation you know the first half was you you didn't talk numbers at all in the mm-hmm. first half it was more it was, it was kind of the the social media one on one then getting into the va- the value proposition around just building relationships and how there is value in that. So you didn't ignore that, but also if you um, if you didn't know where it was going to go, you might think, okay, oh, this is that's where this guy is going to end. He's going to say, 
your ROI is the warm and fuzzy stuff, and that's going to be it. But then, and then you're like, no, no, I guess numbers, and then you get into the then you get into the numbers. Numbers too, yeah. I think, is the point, right? And then, and then examples and examples yeah. of numbers. I mean, that's when I perked up. It was like, wow, it's cool to actually, yeah. you know, everybody you know assumes that there are probably ways to make this work. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the time to do it. I don't have the resources to do it, um, and I don't know if it can be done. But when you can actually put numbers up and show that it's possible, I think there's a lot of yeah, and back to your Power point about you know CRM being a little too expensive. I, I've talked to a lot of community hospitals that don't have the ability to yeah. purchase a good CRM. Right. But I mean, it's just you don't need a, a good CRM. You can actually start measuring. I always suggest you know try measuring one campaign at a time. Mm-hmm. All you need to know is you know who who can measure on on the back end, who can give you information from the financial system, so you can measure that. Right. One of the best, cheapest CRMs is a is a really good robust um, Excel database, you know, or Excel mm-hmm. spreadsheet. Um, that allows you to do that. Plus, it doesn't hurt to build that relationship with your financial people because right. you know you need to start to understand that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, you know, I think it's 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 kind of interesting how some hospitals don't know why they're promoting certain things, and you know if if they are profitable or not. To me, that helps us determine how much manpower, how much time we're going to put behind certain mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of that commonsensical thing too. You know, you don't, like I said, you don't want to promote EDs through social media because I don't think it's kind of relevant right. to those people. Yeah. And so you could, you know, you know, there are things that are relevant and right. those are one things you can really focus on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got, you got probably the most questions I've ever seen asked at a yeah. mission conference at the end there. You had a <laughs> yeah, lot of, a lot of people yeah. who really wanted to know more about I think they things. were trying not to hear my ukulele. Because <laughs> <laughs> I came after the question. Yeah, that really pushed it to the end. I think it was funny that the first question asked was, so how many people are on your team? Because yeah. people right away oh, assume, all the time. oh, we can't, we can't do that. Right. We don't have the resources to do that. Well, and, and then you, yours is a person and a half or time and a half. Yeah, one and a half. And that one that I got um, was actually, we were able to build a, uh, we were able to put together a business case, you know, around the success that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I knew right away that you want to start, start showing our own. That's how I was able to build a business case to hire someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, she's been very invaluable for me. Um, she's great. So yeah, but I mean, it doesn't take, it's actually everybody does social media. That's how I really want to look at it from an own perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just learning, helping people learn how to use the social media tools. Right? Yeah. What I like what you had to say too, about delegating some of the responsibility and some of the tasks to managing, uh, your various social media presence to the people who are, are in the field, yes. to nurses and, uh, people who are actually mm-hmm. care providers. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if there's a, a, a problem, I mean, I've been working in a healthcare marketing department for a few years, or four or five years before I come into Interval, um, you know, you've, you see, oftentimes I felt like, you know, we were making decisions for these people or pushing them in directions that maybe they might not even feel is, is the right way to go because it just felt like the right thing to do from a marketing perspective. Um, so to be able to have them have some ownership in the direction of your uh, uh, communications initiative, that's awesome. Or to be driving it at some point, mm-hmm. too. That's really, that's really cool. I mean, because they're, they're the people who are, you know, in healthcare the, the healthcare, the healthcare professionals are the true marketers. They're the ones who are out there creating the experiences um, that your brand becomes known for. So, man, if you can get them involved like that, that's awesome. So, kudos to you But it's that. a catch-22. I mean, it's kind of like carpet <laughs> for the horse. You kind of have to do it for us, we, what I found in my experience, you do it first and you show that there's 
this right. need, mm-hmm. and then you get them, then you bring them along with it. You kind of help them and in, in, you know, right. indoctrinate them into using these tools. Mm-hmm. That's how we get our patient care navigators to be more um, responsive to complaints on Twitter, for example. Sure. For sure. Well, I'm yeah. sure, and I'm sure there's no shortage of people in the organization who are, who want their own. Facebook presence or their own Twitter presence, and that's something that you have to uh, clearly have to balance as well. It's like no, well, that's, that's we don't say that. Strategically no. fit. We what we do, what we say. We actually do have like this where we sit down with them and we say, okay, well, this is what this is what we use these tools for, and mm-hmm. this is if you want to be part of this, you have to be you have to be the content contributors, and we have an expectation of mm-hmm. with Facebook three posts a day. And, you know, if they're really serious about it and we really feel there's a good need, we move forward with it. And that's how we got to the point where we have, like, 20 Facebook pages. Well, I, think, uh, yeah. I think that's the fear, too, where, you know, people want this stuff. But then, as you talked about, it's real time, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you start up a Facebook page, and if it's nothing's happening in a few days, you're irrelevant. Right. And so that whole upfront discussion is obviously key. Right. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. So. so who, it was Jesse Stremka, right? We just spoke. Jackie and I right. had to bail for for, uh, for it, but... a Katie. Katie from Children's, right? They, they spoke together, or we yes, spoke two of them? Yes, we spoke together. Okay. So what, what, did they, what did they talk about? Um, they talked about their camp marketing campaign that they built, which eventually led to their campaign to raise money. Is that correct? They kind yeah. of started out by saying their refresh marketing campaign and then they, how they integrated that with the foundation okay. and how to promote mm-hmm. the foundation. It was really interesting because they talked a lot about the difficulties of working with the foundation and marketing coming together to work. So a lot of people had a lot of questions about that. And um, Cool, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they had a goal of, they had been raising about $8 million a year and their goal I think was to 25 to $30 million a year. And so some of the mm-hmm. steps that they took to get there were, as Katie mentioned, bringing the groups together they talked about that they have a structure that marketing and the foundation report up to the same person. So that certainly, I think, helped them achieve some of their goals. But one big kind of realization from what they shared was that, you know, and I think this is true in a lot of hospitals, the, the foundation does their work and they're targeting quote-unquote donors mm-hmm. and marketers are, you know, targeting patients. Mm-hmm. And we're all consumers. So they kind of once they got a, a you know clear understanding that we're really targeting the same people we need to do it in different ways but there are commonalities in in how we can brand it mm-hmm. to make sure that as these people see something that may be about don't, uh, donating money or marketing the services that they are connected and so they did a lot of work and it showed some examples of their tv campaigns um that uh, were tied to giving because um, Chris, as you mentioned with a lot of the pressures um that hospitals are facing in terms of margins um Philanthropy is a huge deal. So again, they're trying to create a better customer experience by raising money, and I think they've, they've had some nice success. Yeah, they're absolutely. <coughs> I thought they were wonderful. They were they were trying to be really real, um, authentic. So it was just people in their settings at work commenting on um, their work, and one person said. People always say to me, "How do you work with sick people?" And I say, "How do you work?" Or, I'm sorry, "How do you work with sick children?" And I say, "How do you work with sick adults? Adults, that would suck, or that sucks." <laughs> or, and she's playing with this cute little baby, and yeah, it was nice. Yeah, you know, I can really, I really, um, well, I understand that because we uh, working with the foundation, marketing and, and foundation, they always, there's always this. This tension between mm-hmm. the two of them, 
and you know, even to the point of a brand where you try to do brand work, you don't want to. You want to come off as being, uh, you know, a, a with Anova. We want to be. We are a, sort of a leading organization. We have state of the art technology. We're doing genomics. We're doing all these things. But there's also that message of we're a nonprofit and we need we need giving mm-hmm. for it. And it's kind of the how do you be leading and on the forefront but still need money? Right. You know, it's there's there's a two way street there that you you just gotta you gotta figure out the best way to do it. And I really thought that they did a good job kind of integrating mm-hmm. those two channels together. Um, yeah, I I still struggle with having our foundation, mm-hmm. you know, and and I even want to just pull donors into our CRM and be able to see, you know, some kind of measurement. And, we're not allowed to do that at this point in time. So okay, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's coming up? Who's talking the second half of the day? Let me see. It looks like tapping the power of culture to drive healthcare results. Five strategies to get started. And his name is Jim Romano, and he's the CEO of Prisma. Okay. Um, international. And then the very last one is integrating wellness in healthcare. Ooh. And it looks like she is the director of community. Her name is Brenda Navin, and she's the director of community health and wellness for Health East. So, mm-hmm. well, it should be pretty good, hopefully. Well, health and uh, health and wellness. I mean, that's like that's a key topic too. I mean, I brought that up in mind, so I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. I'm always wary of presentations that have the word tapping in the title. <laughs> I think that it's kind of the wrong impression as to what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, apparently he's going he's gonna to be talking about it. <laughs> he's going to tap the power. He's gonna... <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I think that it's, it's interesting, though, where the conversation is shifting in many of these healthcare conferences that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. We're talking more and more about wellness, how to do preventative. Yeah. And this is a conversation that I have with Chris Bevel a lot about where's the role of marketing in relationship to patient education, in relationship to patient compliance, you know, post-discharge. Mm-hmm. How are we all going to play together? And, I mean, they're distinct. Marketing is about bringing profitable you know, revenue to an organization. But right. I believe that, that that we have to work side by side, not only with the foundation, but also with like patient education. Mm-hmm. And wellness initiatives are going to really show, kind of blur the lines yeah. between all of these. I think that's going to be a big challenge. I was up in Massachusetts. They passed like an ACO law, an accountable care organization law. And many of these hospitals are just like floundering. They're trying to figure out ways to... Oh, sure, yeah. To... Um, to really implement these programs in a, in a rigorous way, in a, in a disciplined way. Marketers don't understand it because it's not, doesn't yield immediate bottom mm-hmm. line results, mm-hmm. um, you know, assuming they measure their results. Um, but also, you know, how do you work with patient education? How do you be preventative in the nature of what you're doing? How do you market but also be preventative, like kind of marketing people mm-hmm. to stay out of your hospital? Yeah. And at NOVA, we're facing a lot of the community-based coordinated care initiatives uh, population health management. These are all things that we need to do. So, you know, looking at ways that you can coordinate with people in the community to mm-hmm. share health resources and possibly drive people more towards primary care um, so they can be prevented from coming to your hospital for unnecessary needs. Mm-hmm. I felt like I talked really deep there. For <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of deep. But it's a big issue. It's so a big issue. Needs, I, think we're, yeah. I think a lot of hospitals, are, every hospital is facing that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say whether you want to or not, you have to act like an ACO now anyway. So, Yeah. And on the topic of wellness, I mean, as we're seeing, I mean, it's not even just, this extends way outside of our industry. Yeah. And some of the people who may, you know, be the most relevant in that space, you would think it would be hospitals and health systems, but are more 
you know, have more commercial, commercially driven goals in our, you know, commercial organizations who are mm-hmm. getting out there in front of wellness in, in bigger, bolder, better ways than most hospitals are doing. So, yeah, it's, it's a, I don't know, hospitals are, if they're not, if they're not getting in on the scene now, it's going to be playing a lot of catch up down the road. Yeah, so. true. You know, in our, in, in DC, we're seeing a lot of large businesses that are taking on their own care. I mean, we have partnerships with them, so we can supply them the, sort of the infrastructure to set up clinics, on-site clinics, to help offset healthcare costs. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, it's incredible to see. And I guess we're we're going to see even more changes now that with, I mean, we have to do a nod off to the election. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. now that Obama is back, um, you know, I, I have a feeling that it's going to, you know, healthcare reform is going to continue on down its path. Mm-hmm. So. We have to keep an eye on that. Yep. Now that marijuana is legal in Colorado, yeah. recreationally. <laughs> i got to move back to Colorado. <laughs> You're from Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I'm going home for the holidays. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It's supposed to be as early as like mid December. Yeah. Katie's got a countdown. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. <laughs> Okay. Well, should we transition to the 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 idea, Katie, that you brought up about yeah. November? Yeah. Yep. yep we're good. Okay. We've got time to talk about stashes. Well, there's always time for for stashes. <laughs> always time for stashes. <laughs> so yeah, um, I was fascinated recently by the Movember campaign, which, if you're unfamiliar with it, is this campaign which actually has a philanthropic background, which I did not know until I was looking at these articles. But um, you, it's raising money for prostate and <coughs> testicular cancer. And men across the country, or actually I believe it started in Australia, and an agency developed the campaign in Australia. Um, they grow mustaches throughout the month of November. And then there's all sorts of platforms and Facebook app to show your show off your progress of your mustache and i was just um i didn't know gillette's role in it but gillette has a whole campaign around the november movement and um i thought it was pretty cool because um you always see breast cancer campaigns but you never really see the the men's side of it and yeah it's yeah. almost like this november is <coughs> what's going to be that Men. How many years has this been around in November? I remember yeah, it from sure. last year. I, they said it yeah. started in 2004, but in the last couple of years it's really picked up speed. Really picked up. So. And I've seen hospitals that are doing it now too, Movember's. Um, I just did a quick you know, search. There's like a number of hospital Facebook pages dedicated to Movember. Yeah. Growing mustaches, so asking them to post their photos or yeah, asking yeah. employees to grow mustaches. So, are you guys growing mustaches? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna yeah, say, yeah, what if I could? I I shaved today. <laughs> I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go for the handlebar. Yeah, yeah. Stash is my goal. I come from a very. I come from a line of very unhairy men. <laughs> I could probably grow up. Me and my dad's got a mustache. I could probably do the mustache, but it would be really pathetic. It'd be kind of like, I don't know, you watch the movies and you see some of those, like, uh, I don't know, the terrorist guys who, like, always do the, the, the facial hair. Like, the really wispy stuff that's all like, that. I look like some... Ter- horrible terrorist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't realize at first that it was for charity or to, to mm-hmm. raise money for cancer, and I actually yeah. tweeted something that said, glad in hash- or in at my boyfriend, glad Tyler Middlestat um, 
doesn't work or works in a professional <coughs> setting, so he can't grow a mustache during no- November. And then I felt like totally bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I didn't realize this had a good cause to it. <laughs> Wait, what's your boyfriend's uh, Twitter handle again? Just <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I realized I just said his name. He's probably not going to What's his name? We can beep it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually, uh, I mean, to make a point of bringing men's health up to the forefront, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's great. I think if more men start to participate actively in these kinds of things, then yeah. it actually brings, maybe hopefully they'll start making healthcare choices. For what, and what, yeah. what better, um, you know, you know it's, it's tough to find something, you know, one, one thing that, especially like breast cancer has, the wrong way to phrase it, but one thing it has going for it in terms of like the awareness is that that is clearly a women's issue. I mean, I know that it, it can be a men's issue too because yeah. it's not impossible for a man to have. Uh, is, it still, is it still referred to as breast cancer when a man gets man gets cancer in his in his chestal so. region? I don't know. I believe it is, right? I know it's not, it's not, I don't mean to imply that it's impossible for a man to get it, but it's all, clearly it's just a very female-focused thing. So it's like, how do you, what do you, what do you find on a man that's like just iconic, you know, that, that this symbolizes a, a man? Well, mustache. There are some things I can think of. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But mustache is a pretty good one. That is appropriate. <laughs> Let me rephrase. You guys are all like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, where's where it going with this? We started with chestal region. <laughs> Thank you. my way down. I went off chestal word? Huh? Chestal? It is now. <laughs> it is now. It's on the dictionary. Um, Who knew? Yeah, no, I think you're right, Adam. I, other, other than like maybe back hair. You know, <laughs> well, if you did a stash well, on your back, you a stash on your back. Now there, uh, now there's hope for you. A back stash, yeah, <laughs> a back. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it helps too that Gillette is kind of behind yeah. it. They're making a really good. You know, they're talking about the Brigadier and this and that. So yeah. that's actually um, that's actually makes it a little bit more fun mm-hmm. too. And the hospitals that I see, they're really you know they're even holding contests like internal medicine. Uh, people are like you know they're they're like doing this. And one of the hospitals is doing is doing. Uh, I think it's. I like your really quick Sherman Memorial, I think. Not Sherman Memorial. Hold on. But they're doing their, they're actually challenging their internal employees. A Barnes Jewish, the internal medicine uh, Movember. So they're trying to encourage their internal medicine guys mm-hmm. to grow mustaches. Awareness. Cool. What's nice about it, too, is you think about targeting guys with maybe a short attention span, the threshold for engaging in this mm-hmm. is pretty easy. Right. right. Don't yeah. Shake. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of guys... The barrier to entry that. is pretty minimal. Right, right. It's actually appeals to them. It's laziness. Yeah. Yeah. It's shame. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to shame. Get on board. <laughs> another, another element that I thought was awesome and content marketing as we're discussing that um, is they had a cookbook developed for men, which I thought was, I don't know who it's really targeted at. <laughs> if I couldn't see a lot of men in my life actually going and making these recipes, but it's all these kind of bro-y, manly <laughs> Everything recipes. Everything has a, a can of beer from it. <laughs> yeah. it's, beer, but it's to encourage people to have Movember parties, and it's food oh, wow. for these Movember oh. parties. Is it, is it food that, cool. that gets stuck in your mustache really well? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> in the shape of mustache? <laughs> so that was pretty funny. That's it's awesome. That was good. That's awesome. When there was a controversy too, right, Kenny? Wasn't there something? Yeah, I guess that they had to rebrand um, or redo their logo because people were saying that it it looked like Hitler's mustache, and oh. so they had to oh, yeah. completely redo it. And I guess the man who actually developed the campaign or was at the lead of it is actually Jewish, so he was really angry about it oh. that people would say that. 
um, uh-huh. because obviously, you know, that's yeah, really that's yeah. an emotional thing. And so they just redid it and they made it, um, they just made a, a logo of just a ton of different mustaches, just showing a bunch of varieties um, instead of just this well, one yeah. face with a mustache. When I, when I, when they, as the designer, like the first, the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of like a, a iconic mustache logo is not, I mean, <laughs> Hitler's logo was like, or his, Hitler's mustache was like a little square thing. Yeah. I'm thinking like a big bushy yeah, mustache, yeah, like a two shoe. That's the, yeah, yeah, that's like the, the big the, the cur- with the little curls on the end. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, and you don't even see those on old dudes anymore. Those are like on the the, the hipsters that are at the, at the coffee shop. It's like come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hipsters shop. were into this well before. It's you not cool have... anymore. They're gonna shave now. <laughs> 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 no, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Really good stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, we're, I think we're at about a half hour. So we well, hey, I should, I should play out. Oh, we should. Guys, we should. The, uh, should we say goodbye and then I'll play out with my ukulele? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I won't have you guys say well, you can, you can start. You can start, go ahead and start playing while we, while we take it out here. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> like the goodbye it's music. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. We'll say thanks for joining us. We will uh, catch you next week. So for the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Adam Meyer. Robert Brevo. Chris Boyer. Katie Streeter. Jackie Ritako. And we will catch you next week. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> 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 <laughs>